Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode features Jordan, the owner and founder of one of Australia's leading cloth nappies and reusables companies, Bear and Boho. Birth was never something Jordan feared growing up, so when she found out she had conceived her first child, she naturally surrendered confidently into pregnancy and was excited to give birth. A relocation to North Queensland during her pregnancy resulted in a scheduled induction due to the pressures from doctors over the lack of scans they had for reference. When she consciously conceived her second child, she knew the only place she would birth was at home. Her waters released at 42 weeks, and not only was Jordan feeling all the sensations of natural physiological labor for the first time, but she simultaneously signed one of her biggest collaboration contracts with Aldi. The longevity she needed for this birth took her a little by surprise. A suspected shoulder dystocia was handled gently by her midwife as she assisted her to bring her delicious 4.3 kilogram baby boy earthside. Jordan also shares with us the knowledge she gained around tongue ties and how her company organically grew from humble beginnings. Enjoy the episode. Jordan, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. So at the moment, we've got two little boys, a seven-year-old and a two and a half-year-old. So I had my first quite young, um, 23. So three months after getting married, it was quite a surprise, but we weren't not trying. So yeah, it was a it was a beautiful surprise, and then we decided to have quite a large gap, and then my second um, son arrived in 2019. So I've had two very different births, um, and I'm actually on the Gold Coast at the moment at our office. Wonderful. Well, that leads me into my next question. You are the owner and founder of Bear and Boho, which I'm sure a lot of my listeners are familiar with. Yeah. And you guys are by far one of Australia's leading companies in reusable products, which is such an achievement mm-hmm. in itself. How did you 
start this incredible journey? Yeah, good question. Um, I certainly didn't plan on having a business. I was very comfortable being home. We were, um, my, my husband had just started a new job in North Queensland and I had my son. And then during that period, we got full time into foster care um, of animals. So mm. I was completely comfortable. Um, my my boy, you know, every day we're at the beach. We're just with the animals. I was adamant I was not starting a business. So mm. really, just happened, and um, it's been a very organic, um, wild ride. But we started back in. Um, 2017 was when we launched, but 12 months before that, um, I had really decided, okay, I'm sick of sending all of our nappies into landfill. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only was it um, expensive, um, the nappies and the wipes, particularly if you are trying to find more of an eco (laughs) disposable, if there is such thing, um, and it was expensive for our little young family. Mm -hmm. Um, And also it was just just awful how much we were sending to, to, you know, to landfill. And I came this resolution, there's got to be another way. So I kind of decided to explore my local surroundings of Townsville and there wasn't much there. I wasn't an online shopper, so I had actually never purchased anything online. Um, I was very old school like that. And (laughs) yeah, and really I didn't find anything. So I decided, right, I'm going to draw up what I want. I'm going to take it to a local seamstress and really design and and create what I want purely for myself, get a couple made. That's all I need. My son is mostly naked out at the beach, so I really don't need much. Um, Yeah, so really that started um, the first prototype. We got it made with a local seamstress in Townsville and um, she had used cloth nappies, obviously the old um, Terry squares back in that that era. That was really what was out there. And I I said, I really want to create a modern version. There were some options out there in the market, but it was very underground. You know, the whole nappy, cloth nappy movement was very much underground. And, um, And really at that point, I just couldn't really afford to go and try a few different styles. Uh, you know, we had zero to no budget at that point and really I just wanted to, to get started straight away. So mm. we created the first prototype. I was really pleased with it. It had this water-resistant outer cover that I could reuse and just pop my tea towels in. So we'd um, pop our tea towels in and, and pop them in the wash and that's how we started. And and soon enough, the mums groups up there and in the playground, I, I would get chatting. Oh, I love my cloth nappies. Um, and anyway, I, I soon enough had um, a lot of interest and I realised, wow, I'm going to have to really see what I can do and help these other, you know, mamas out. And, um, yeah, so really we decided that it wasn't viable to work with our local seamstress to get more than one maid a month. You know, that that isn't really viable for, for just myself. So um, I looked everywhere in Australia. We just don't have the manufacturing capacity here for more of those customised um, textile products. So I looked overseas and sent my prototype over. And, um, and had a really lovely small boutique manufacturer decide to take me on. And um, soon enough, we had a pallet of stock um, arriving in Australia. And um, yeah, just launched with a Facebook video. Um, we went viral overnight and we sold out of all of that stock that I had thought would last me wow. a year. And um, at that point, I just created my own little website on Squarespace. So really, um, you know, it was very humble beginnings. And um, we're five years in now. It's been a very wild ride. And, and like you say, we are we have become one of the leaders in the industry here um, and overseas um, purely because we, you know, we stay true to what we sell. I've cloth nappied both of my boys and um, I just am so passionate about reusables um, and do feel that there's so much to be gained um, from a cost perspective. By re- and also, you know, we, we can do it. So 
our washing machine's now brilliant. Um, it's you know, and now as a full time working mum, I can, I can say and do want to share the story that it's very much easy to integrate into your life and, and we're here to really share how and educate, um, you know, the local communities. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I have so many of your nappies that have seen me through oh. all three of my kitties actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is so cool. I think I've even got one of your earlier releases. So I've kind of, you know, wow. watched your designs progress over the years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm so glad. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of our original cloth nappy parents when we were very, very small, and niche um, at that time with our kind of colourful, creative um, floral prints. A lot of the mums are, are still with us, so yeah. uh, that's so great to hear. How yeah. cool. So special. Yeah. So jumping back to your birth stories, mm. how was your pregnancy with your first son? Yeah, so really my husband and I um, got married. Um, we were kind of on and off for a couple of years and got back together. Um, 12 months in, we decided let's get married. My husband had been offered a job up in North Queensland, so we were moving away from all of our family. And we thought, okay, let's get married, let's do it. Um, two months, we prepared a wedding with all of our friends, um, had this beautiful wedding. And we just kind of always said, well, you know, um, let's just have kids, let's just try. We're not going to say no. Um, we're also not going to think about it. So it was just really a, a beautiful, conscious, but also not um, planned yeah. conception. And um, yeah, we we kind of moved up to North Queensland at that point. Um, I was 100% about a natural birth. Um, we actually chatted and engaged a local um, home birth a midwife here on the Gold Coast, but we were so early in um, before we had to move up. It was about two months in, and um, and really that 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 process of moving up north took us a few months to kind of get everything wrapped up down here, move up. So he was conceived on the Gold Coast, but by the time we went up to North Queensland, it was just um, impossible to start that whole process us again and um, we just kind of in that, that third trimester decided right we have to actually just go into the hospital the local hospital um, and I've always always grown up um, with very alternative parents so I have a very alternative um, kind of natural background and hospitals was not something I'd ever really stepped into um, my mum had her four children in the hospital and I do remember those kind of memories of going in seeing one of my younger sisters being born and pretty much leaving same day um but that was pretty much it so here I was North Queensland no family um going into the hospital system um and really we had a few ultrasounds but because I was so late in the um pregnancy they basically um were, were booking me in for fortnightly ultrasounds so I had gone to to first and second trimester no ultrasounds um and kind of thrust into the, the hospital system. And it was a little bit of a shock to the system, but um, you know, I embraced it, I had no issues. My pregnancy was was going really well to that date. Um, but yeah, we had a bit of a shocking turn um, when moving up into Townsville and moving into the hospital system when, because we had no ultrasounds and we, we had no real dates to work off, um, there was a lot of concerned a lot of concern pushed upon us um, by the hospital system about the the weight, um, you know, the dimensions of our baby. Yeah, and then at one point, um, I had thrust upon me the idea that potentially my baby has leukemia because of the yeah. I mean, and I, I was just you know horrified. I was young. I was, you know, we just had um, you know really no idea and. 
And obviously, so my third trimester was really this kind of whirlwind of I felt great, but there was a lot of fear um, put onto me. So I was kind of really trusting the system at that point um, and kind of just went along along with that process. So that was my third trimester. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So you yeah. said you wanted to home birth originally, but you weren't able to. Mm. Did you have anyone around you that had home birth? Mm. So like what was your perception of birth at that stage? Well, I was, I mean, like I said, my upbringing was very alternative. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, alternative at that point um, as well. So in my opinion, it was just um, really a no-brainer and I was surrounded by um, a network of friends and parents in the same space. So I guess that uh, that was really my exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, And the midwife was actually a referral from um, a friend who had used her as well. So we we were really quite confident. My husband was on board. Um, Both our parents had had natural births. So there was not really any fear um, surrounding birth. I think it was just, okay, this happens. I mean, they both had hospital births, my mother-in-law and um, my mum, but they were, for my mum, you know, progressively got easier. I think my my youngest sister was a 45-minute birth. So I kind of just had this concept, yep, it's going to be difficult when you get in there. It's it's painful, but it's just what you do. Um, And so I, I really didn't have any fear around it, but in fact, I actually... I kind of went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be easy. Um, and then, of course, that whirlwind of um, medical kind of um, influence in that third trimester really rocked me a little bit. Of course. Yeah, yeah it was really, um, you know, I was shocked. I was sad. Um, it was really traumatising. And it was all based on um, really because I didn't have any history to show um, the pro- the progress of where um, our our um, birth or you know our baby's development was at so really up till up till the third trimester we'd done all of the dop- you know the, the kind of the traditional um you know dopplers there was no um no intervention at all and what was the plan moving forward after they'd raised all these concerns because i'm going to guess that they were probably pressuring you to be induced mm-hmm. right yeah, so really I was in the throes of the system at that point mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was having these very routine, regular checkups, ultrasounds, um, you know, I was there every week. Um, and so the the doctor um, at one point did an internal um, and that was really quite traumatic um, but, of course, I was so trusting in the system at that point and, um, and really said, look, you're, you're measuring quite large, your placenta is looking like it's drying up, we need to get you induced mm-hmm. next week um I had never even really thought about induction I know my mum had an induction with me as her first daughter so I understand about that repetition of birthing that can happen generationally so you know in hindsight now I I do understand that a little bit more of that um internal programming there but really at that point I was like right okay let's do it I'm excited to meet my baby um I want to make sure that I'm giving my baby the best chance you know I was really into the system at that point and um yeah so my husband and I were you know, we, we packed up our things when it came for the time. We we even packed a board game. We thought, oh, this will be great. Uh, you know, it's my first baby. It's going to take ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband was thinking, I'm not, you know, he didn't pack anything because he thought I'll, I'll go in and then obviously they'll induce her and I'll, I'll go home and then baby will be born next day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we went into it very, very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> as you do first baby. So true. <laughs> Should we jump to that first sign of labour with him? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so yeah, we we went in there. We were popped in. We were put into this little room. Um, it wasn't a birthing suite or anything. We were just popped in there, um, and this was the public hospital at that time. Um, so 
yep, we just went along with it. Soon enough, they, they came in, we're going to start your, um, you know, your induction now. So I think they, from memory, they they um, popped me on the the drip. Um, and then, you know, they said, look, we, we're going to have to um, monitor, monitor you, your waters aren't breaking, but it's going to take a while. So just hang out here. So my husband and I are in this room and literally within about 45 minutes, I was having huge contractions about a minute apart uh, it was intense and no one no one was no what no one came and checked on us we were just in this back room no window a tiny room I was on this little single bed um, I actually had no idea really what was happening to me um, you know I just really went in there thinking the best and um, soon enough I had these raging contractions I was just in a lot of pain I said to my husband oh my gosh give me like give me drugs I cannot take this <laughs> my husband was like, look, you're going to kill me. You know, you're going to say after the birth, why did you let me take them? So let's just hang, you know, let's just hang tight. I was really, um, you know, I was so out of my element and um, just really shocked, to be honest. Um, and this kind of started that traumatic spiral into into the unknown. Um, and, you know, I didn't do any research prior. I just kind of went off, well, babies are born this way. Um, I'm going to trust the system and just do, you know, really whatever they say at that point. So, the um the contractions were intense and they actually took me out of that room they could see I was progressing quite fast and they took me into the birth suite um finally into into a birthing room and um the midwife said look we're, we're gonna have to break your waters and um you know apart from that internal that I'd had a couple of weeks before I really didn't understand okay what what is this going to involve um so at first they had put in the string it had this string attachment. It, it wasn't working. So they, they put me in the birth suite and they decided to break my waters with um, yeah. a little hook. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was in the throes of these huge contractions that were so regular. I couldn't take a breath between them by that point. And, um, yeah, anyway, I was on all fours, um, I believe. And they, oh, no, I might have been on my back at that point and they broke my waters. And, um and that didn't really proceed, you know, didn't progress anything. <laughs> it just broke and I, my body was still, you know, labouring at that point. Um, my husband um, put me on the gas. Um, he was just so um, instrumental in, in keeping me focused on on the gas breathing. I was, you know, going through songs in my head. I was just focusing Um but, I mean, really, in hindsight, you didn't realise it was – I didn't realise it was traumatic at that point. I just thought, this is what it is. This is intense. I did not expect this. Mm. Um, what is going on? It's a midwife and my husband, that's, you know, that's that's it. We're just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was really fast. So at this point, we're probably two hours in. Um, soon enough, they I was pushing and pushing. Um, I just felt that urge to push and I was pushing. It was really that – orchestrated pushing um with the midwife okay don't mm -hmm. now but push now you know that very um orchestrated kind of process and then soon enough they got me on my back and said we need to get the baby out um and by that point I was ready for the baby to come out um it felt a lot longer than the time frame that it was but um yeah, they put me on my back legs up in stirrups um, and yeah, then soon enough, a whole, um, chorus of, um, nurses and doctors came in and I had the doctor say, oh, these are all of our medical students. They're coming here to witness, um, the birth. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, I was out of it. I was, I didn't even, I was just, I just saw all of these faces. Um, and I was just ready for this baby to come out yeah. and meet my baby. I was just so kind of excited amidst all of that, um, chaos. And anyway, so 
um, they got the the vacuum suction and, and popped that on my son's head. Um, and really, it was that process of pushing and the vacuum and the orchestrated counting and pushing um, by the midwife. And yeah, soon enough, he just kind of came out in a really fast um, action and um, they just popped him onto my belly um, and then got my husband to cut the cord straight away. So really all of those things that I, I said, I don't want my son's cord cut, but at the time I was just so in this throw of the process. I didn't even think about that at the time. Um, and then they, they took my son off me and said, we need to go in and monitor him. His his heart is, is kind of playing up a little bit. There's a bit of a flutter. Next minute they took him off um, and I just um, had some stitches put in, turned on my side and fell asleep instantly. Yeah. I was just out of it. What a whirlwind. Yeah. So amazing that despite being completely unprepared mm-hmm. for what unfolded, you were able to find what worked for you to get through those intense mm-hmm. contractions. Uh, yeah, and my husband was um, was huge in that because he yeah. was, you know, as long as I kept my eyes locked on his and it was breathing me through each um, breath of the gas, that was that was really helpful. So, I mean, I just kind of had no other idea of how this would go. I genuinely thought this is how birth was in hindsight, obviously very different. But mm. considering all of that, it's still, um, you know, I, it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, so true. <laughs> and I'm just so thankful that um, I kind of went in with a really obstinate, um, viewpoint of absolutely no intervention. Obviously, mm. I heard of the vacuum suction. I didn't even know that was a thing. It was all of these things that were thrown upon me that I really didn't know. But in the moment, you're like, yes, do it. I want my baby. So, yeah, so really at that point, I'd fallen asleep. Um, my son was away. I woke up and um, I actually had no energy. I couldn't even talk. I just said, I need to eat. <laughs> they gave me a peanut butter sandwich, popped me in a wheelchair and wheeled me over to my son who was in the NICU. And, um, yeah, I just, it was, I was in shock, but, um, you know, I just yeah, held my baby and I think they wheeled me back to my room. And then soon enough, um, I was able to, to actually go and see my baby again and bring him back to the room. So at that point, it was probably this, the following night. So 24 hours, potentially, um, a little bit earlier, I could actually hold my baby. So it was, it was so traumatic, um, the whole experience. And obviously, in hindsight, you come to process what actually happened, but it, really, it kind of put us into a state of shock where we couldn't even say the word birth. We yeah. were just we we just didn't even talk about it. We had a video, um, just our own little video um, on the laptop, I think, but it was only the section of me contracting on all fours, you know, holding onto the top of the bed, breathing the gra- the gas. So that was really it, and um, we just couldn't even watch it. Yeah, um, yeah we went home, um, and I was just, you know. At that point, I, w- I was actually recovering really well. So I just didn't even think about it. It yeah. was done. Um, when my son was able to come back in the room with me, um, we, we kind of were able to breastfeed quite well. Um, you know, I, I honestly thought everything was ticking along quite well. Um, but we did have probably 30 seconds of skin to skin after he was born, put onto my um, chest at that point before he was taken away. So it was so brief. Um and, you know, I didn't really understand um, what had happened. I, I honestly didn't really think that um, it was traumatising until, you know, years later when you start to process yeah. the, that actually that was traumatic. Um, but I guess I just 
kind of look at it, well, I've got to be grateful because it could have been worse. And that's really sad to think like that. But and I did have the um, tearing, which is very common, as you probably know, with induction, just the force of that um, baby coming out with the vacuum and the um, unnatural chemical um, induced inductions. The whole thing just leads to tearing. I had stitches. I hemorrhaged. Um, I think I lost a, a liter of blood or something ridiculous. Like I lost a lot of blood. So um, obviously in hindsight, I realized now it was all because of the induction yes. or because of that. Crazy. Yeah. So you mm. ended up having a little break between babies. Mm. What were some of the things that you did differently next time around? Yeah, well, my husband and I had already discussed the idea of longer breaks between children. I knew, I just felt that I just wanted to be with my, have that one-on-one time with um, the baby. I really wanted to kind of just take it easy. We'd had our first son young, so we had all of this time. We were in absolutely no rush. And, um, yeah, we just decided to kind of take it easy. Anyway, kind of, and I, I felt really good. Um, obviously, trauma aside, um, I was in Townsville. I was probably the healthiest I've ed- I'd ever been. I had this beautiful little boy. Um, and, yeah, I was just, I was so happy. And um, not even considering another baby at that point because, we we're just in this beautiful bubble. Um, yeah, but obviously there were, our breastfeeding seemed great. My son was putting on weight really well, but fast forward a couple of years and um, a an unresolved tongue tie has actually resulted in, a, in you know, a couple of other issues. So oh, okay. I guess that's, that's another part of my second son's birth um, that kind of came out of that scenario yeah so I'm happy to chat about that because I do find it's such a big um such a big one yeah absolutely it sounds interesting yeah we never had a diagnosed um well pretty much um you know those early days it was focusing more on my son was he okay he was breastfeeding fine so there was really no other exploration into a potential tongue tie all the other signs were were not there but um you know it kind of uh, yeah with my second son's birth we we had a whole different opinion on that um, by that point. And there are a few signs in hindsight that we realised, wow, we, we didn't even know. No one told us. Mm. Um, we didn't know what to look for. So now um, anytime I see a baby, I'm like, oh, my gosh, go, <laughs> go get it checked. Yeah, okay. um, so my first son, he, he had no interest in solids. So we actually breastfed for four years. Um, and really I felt like that was a really natural um, journey for us but in hindsight whenever I did present solids there was just no interest at all okay. so he really didn't start solids until he was two um, and then when he did um, you know it was just the the feet it was just of no interest really obviously solids were there alongside the breastfeeding from year three and four but yeah so that's a big one um, talking um, the inability to talk too early because of the tightness of the jaw Um, you know all of these things in hindsight so when he was in when he was four years old we actually started um, speech therapy and one of the things that the speech therapist said is have you ever had his tongue tie checked and we said what Um, anyway so we start we actually got the um, the the tongue tie resolved you know because by by that point we had had our second son We went through the whole process of investigation, research, and ended up getting both of their tongue ties resolved at the same time. So, and it made a difference. It did, yeah. So with he was four, yeah, uh, he was four and a half, I think, by the time he had his tongue tie um, resolved, mm-hmm. and he actually had a tongue 
lip and cheek ties. <laughs> so it was the poor thing. You know, we used to, I used to feed him and get so frustrated as to why it would take so long and he had no interest in following his food. Um, and yeah, really the tightness in his jaw would have made him um, really struggle to do that. So in high, obviously hindsight's a beautiful thing, but with my second son, we were able to pick up on that a lot sooner and, and he's um, he's had had none of those issues. But anytime I, I have a friend or someone I know have a baby and they're struggling with gas or, you know, mm. colic, um, you know, <laughs> all of those things, I'm like, you know what, um, I think I know what your issue is. Yeah. So, so, mm, so interesting. And would a lactation consultant pick that up? They can do. Um, but the thing is, if your son is, might both of is fed really well they're both 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 breastfed you know basically straight after birth fed really well putting on a lot of weight mm. so a few signs of a tongue tie is bad latch and not you know the inability to put on weight so my children didn't have that mm. so yeah I think it's they just were so hungry obviously you'll do anything so they had that that ha they had that strength to actually create a latch despite all of those other things and you know, they were feeding well, they're putting on weight. Um, you know, I had a really good diet, making sure they were putting on that weight with the, the food, the milk that they were intaking. So potentially we'd been able to kind of get through that stage, avoiding some of those um, other telltale signs. And I mean, our experience second time around, the midwife picked that up straight away. Okay. She said, oh, there's a, there's a tongue tie. It's not too bad. And I said, oh, okay, I'm going to go and, and get it checked out. So yeah, I think even the smallest tongue tie just results in in that tightness of the jaw and the cheeks and that inability to put the tongue to the top of their mouth, mm -hmm. um, move their lips. And also um, there's generational issues now of unresolved tongue ties in children with migraines, neck problems, wow. back problems, headaches. I mean, the unresolving of a tongue tie can have, you know, disastrous long-term effects. Mm -hmm. Also, the other side is obviously that's how the baby was born. Don't, you know, intervene. But on this case, I was very yeah. we absolutely need to get it done yeah yeah such helpful information thank you for sharing that no you're welcome i'm sort of thinking now do any of my kids have a tongue tie <laughs> <laughs> well that's yeah that's a thing i mean they can actually learn to adapt with a tie with yeah. a cheek tie with a lip tie they can learn to adapt they're they're such um resilient little beings of mm. course but um you know we just noticed the signs with my first son um oh okay well he doesn't you know really pronounce his words as well i had a lisp as a baby so my mum kept saying look he's got a lisp you had a lisp and so i kind of took that viewpoint and then realized well actually it's not just a lisp it's um it's an inability to pronounce some other things it's that undesire to actually chew and swallow food i mean he was developing in all other ways he's such a big athletic boy but just those basic things that really didn't come out until we started um, preschool. And then we we're like, wow, okay, there is a bit of a difference and we need to go get it checked out. Yeah. So yeah. handy to know this information. Yeah. Mm. So what about your second pregnancy? How was that experience for you? Yeah, well, at that point, um, until my son was about six months old and I started really diving deep into Bear and Boho, I was still full-time stay-home mum, rescue animals. I was volunteering full I'm in the admin. Um, you know, I was really, I was doing yoga um, two hours a day at the beach every day. And I actually transitioned to vegan um, six months into postpartum and um, yeah, been vegan ever since. So that was a huge um, transformation. I was really focusing on nutrition, um, 
on you know vitamins just living this beautiful wholesome life and um and then obviously um, business came along we moved down south um you know we my husband had another um change with his um career so we moved to a different location and started our life elsewhere and, and business by then was just you know going crazy so i think life just really happened Amazing. at that point <laughs> Yeah, so when we we kind of decided, okay, we're ready for for our next baby, we were quite conscious um, in the fact of obviously cutting out. I wasn't I wasn't drinking alcohol um, at all because I was breastfeeding my first son. Um, I didn't drink coffee at that point. Um, actually, I might have started a little bit, but I I obviously went off that. Um, I started taking just some of those vitamins, really keeping on top of um, iron and all of those other things and just eating a lot of dark, um, leafy, fresh cold-pressed juice. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really proactive in that period because we were conscious of having a large break and then we'd made that conscious decision of when to actually start trying for our, our second baby. So mm -hmm. I guess it was a very conscious period, a very conscious conception. All the while, um, we were building a house. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so we'd gone and moved by then to the countryside. We'd bought um, a beautiful acre on the river. We, we were starting to build a cottage um, and we were still on a very kind of low budget at that point. We were doing a lot of work in the actual construction itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'd moved, yeah, out to the countryside. So really, I guess it was a very beautiful period. As busy as we were, I can, I definitely have really fond memories of that time because it was all just conscious decision after conscious decision. So it just felt like yeah. it was happening. Um, so basically, I we kind of knew straight away when I was pregnant. Um, I, I definitely look back and I can, I think I can um you know, know the day, the night that we actually conceived. So it was a really beautiful period being a lot more yeah. of your body. Yeah. So um, I decided, okay, this time I'm definitely doing a home birth. So that was decided early on. I did want to go and get um, an ultrasound. So I went and got it, um, went to the GP, got a referral for an ultrasound, had um, that ultrasound, I think at the 12 week mark. So I, I didn't get an early one. I just kind of waited until we could do the gender one mm -hmm. um, because that was really important. Um, obviously, I know a little bit more in hindsight now about ultrasounds, um, but I was also quite conscious at that point. And I think in that whole time, I had maybe one. In uh, Yeah, looking back, I think I had one ultrasound at the gender reveal. And that was important for us because of our four-year-old we wanted to, or we decided early on to actually choose a name based on gender, mm -hmm. um, integrate this little being in our life from the get-go. So we talked about our little boy um, every day. And so our older son was ready. He was, he already felt this little, this little brother was in his life. And, um, you know, that was a, many months of just talking about this little baby, um, making sure that he was a part of that process. And it just made a really, it made for a really seamless transition once mm. our second baby did come along. But yeah, so overall, apart from the one ultrasound, I may have had a second, I can't recall, but it was a, a seamless, um, smooth um, pregnancy. And I didn't actually really even um, be proactive about birth until third trimester and I went to my local midwife midwifery center and I said oh I'm you know I think I'm 30 weeks along um, I need you to take me on I want a home birth and they were really hesitant they said well we don't usually take women on that late in your pregnancy and I said oh, you know I have no other choice I'm not going to a hospital <laughs> so you have to take me please take me um, I've had a, a baby already 
I've had a really easy pregnancy. It's definitely a single child. It's not twins. You know, there's, just take me on. And um, anyway, so they did take me on. Um, I'll be forever grateful for that because I did have a really, really um, great third trimester with them, checking in. Um, obviously, no intervention in any um, kind of capacity. It was just all very natural. Um, and I just really loved that period. We were so big. I was painting, you know, and, and running my business. We were collaborating with major retailers. It was all happening. And my midwife said, you've got to stop. You've got to slow down. I said, I can't. There's just me, one other person in the business. I cannot. And yeah. I would go there with paint all over my belly and they, <laughs> they were trying to, like, you know. But I was, it was all happening and um, it was just such a, a fun period. But I was really exhausted yeah. mentally, physically. I was so exhausted but I just knew so much was happening and it needed me to be there and, and be involved. So we were building our house, having our baby. Um, we moved in two weeks before we actually gave birth. So that was a, a very last minute rush. So we, we moved in and um, and anyway, we're walking down the back one day. Um, at this point, I was 42 weeks. So um, I had no issues. I would have gone forever. You know, I was not gonna go, I was not inducing. My midwives had no pressure on me. It was really uh, such a nice period. And anyway, one afternoon we went down to the river. Um, it's a really sloped block. So I was doing lunges up and down the river. And um, yeah, and that night my husband went off to jiu-jitsu and I was sitting in the lounge room and I was watching a birth show. There was a birth video, a, a birth series on TV. I can't, I can't remember now, but um, anyway, my waters broke. And um, and I didn't have that experience with my first son, and that was such a big, like, tick of um, just I've just felt wow, this is actually happening. This yeah. is the first time I wanted to to naturally break my waters. It's gonna be good. And um, <clears throat> I waited till my husband came home, <clears throat> and um, I just said, look, this could this could happen really fast, or it could happen really long. Um, I'm gonna message the midwives. I'm, you know, I sent them a photo. Um, I had put on one of my my reusable um, pads at that point, and I was just monitoring the fluid um, for a couple of hours. And it was just, you know, there was one gush, but then it was slowly trickling, the, you know, for a couple of hours. My midwife said, "Look, nothing to worry about. You could be in this period for two days. You know, just take it easy." So um, that that day, actually, my husband and my son had set up a birth pool at home um, in the lounge room. So I, I don't know. We just and I'd made this huge um, pot of like postpartum stew, um, like spinach stew. I was kind of ready. I guess I just kind of knew deep down. Yeah. And um, yeah, I said to my husband, "Can you just bring out um, the mattress? We had a little single mattress ready that we're going to put next to the birth pool. Um, I just think I'll stay out here. I need you to sleep because I might need you tomorrow, but." I, I just need you guys to rest and I need to be out here. So I was actually laboring all night. It was just very minor contractions, very steady, long gaps between. And funny enough, I just received our contract for one of our Aldi partnerships that day. And oh, wow. I said, okay, I have to do this because if my baby comes, I might not get back to it. <laughs> so I was laboring. I was actually working. Oh, <laughs> it was, I know, it was Aldi all happening. How amazing. Yeah, it was so big for us. Yeah. yeah. And I was just embracing it. We lived out in this beautiful property and there was just birds all night. It was just silent. And yeah, my husband woke up in the morning and I just looked so haggard, but <laughs> like it's happening. Um, just checking in with my midwife and she said, look, there's no point in me coming in. It doesn't sound like it's it's progressing. I mean, you know, it's not at that point that you need me. It's obviously progressing, but just take it easy. So, 
yeah, it was just a really, really um, kind of just steady progression throughout the night. Mm. Sorry to interrupt, mm. but were you aware of the contrast between your two labours, having that slow build up rather than, you know, fast and hard surges that you had at the mm. hospital? Yeah, well, I guess I guess it's that unknowing because my first birth was three hours. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't understand the longevity that I would need. So I was kind of thinking, it's my second baby, surely it's going to go pretty fast. But the longevity was something I did not expect. Mm -hmm. So that was already 12 hours, really, from 9pm the the previous night to 9am. My husband and my son were up. I pretty much just kind of stayed on the mattress. Um, I was walking around the house. Um, I was just, I kind of didn't know when it ended. And I think that's something else that if you haven't had that experience, it can feel like it's never ending. Mm. And I said to the midwife, I just don't know how long I can, you know, by this point it was midday the next day. I'd been up for more than, you know, I think 16 or 18 hours by that point. I said to the midwife, like, I feel like it's happening. Like, when is it going to happen? I don't know if I can handle it, if it's going to get worse. And I said to my husband, like, I just actually don't know. I thought I could handle it, but it's 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 taking forever. Mm. And the midwife kept, she popped over in the day <clears throat> She checked me and said, look, um, you know, you still seem quite a while away. Just rest, um, you know. So I think that was the one thing that shocked me was really I kind of expected second baby. My first labour was three hours. It's got to be short, but it it was the opposite. Mm. But overall, it was a great day. I had my son. I had my son there. My husband was there. Um, And really, we just laboured during the day. I was doing a lot of walking, a lot of squatting. I was in all positions. I mean, it was painful, I'm not going to lie, because my first birth was so intense but short. This one was really like, okay, working your way up, steadily got, you know, more and more intense. And um, that intensity, I just didn't know how far that intensity could go Mm. Um, because my first birth was intense from 45 minutes in. It It was just intense the whole three hours. So, I really, I didn't know kind of where this was going. Um, I think I got to the following evening. By that point, we'd had both the midwives. So we had two midwives and a midwife in training um, and they were beautiful. They actually were so kind of quiet, relaxed. um, And I just said, I kept saying, I don't know if I can do this. I really don't know if I can do this. And obviously in hindsight, I know that's transition and, um, and kind of from there we're ready to to start pushing so I was was on the toilet I got in the birth pool I was in there for about I don't know five minutes and I said no I need to get out it's way too intense yeah yeah I know I always find that interesting where women prefer the birth so you prefer the lean yes well I'm an earth sign so I think that's really funny I just kind of I had this beautiful vision of me birthing in water (laughs) and um anyway our, our photographer rocked up and she got some beautiful shots in the water but it was just intensifying the water was actually just way too stimulating my skin could feel every drop and I just said to my husband stop like he would dripping drip water on my on my back so romantically and I just said stop like it's it actually hurts and the midwife said it's okay hop out um anyway so I transitioned to the mattress and pretty much I stayed on that mattress until my son was born um and the midwife kind of um you know they weren't intrusive at all I said oh am I going to need to go to the hospital like I was really fearful of going to the hospital and she said you don't need to go if you don't want to And, and she said look there's nothing wrong we can try some different positions but such a nurturing 
nurturing, soft voice. And there was just no pressure, no control. Um, it was just really nice. And I know, um, I do understand that there is this um, viewpoint that even having midwives can be intrusive. And, and I do get that. Um, I do understand more about free birth and, and I love that kind of story. But for me, I actually really needed that mother figure there guiding, um, nurturing and really holding a safe space. Yeah. So for me, that was what I needed then. Um, and I didn't find them intrusive or intervening at all. It was just such a beautiful kind of um, energy in the room and we had our um, photographer there and it kind of got to the point where I was just exhausted I think it had been you know maybe 24 hours at that point wow. and I was exhausted I hadn't drunk anything I hadn't eaten anything um, I, my body was just spent mm. and um, photographer said okay I'm gonna duck to the store I'm gonna get you some food I had we just moved in I didn't even put food in our cupboard mm -hmm. um that was it I mean obviously um any future babies I'm gonna be so prepared but with this one I just wasn't I wasn't thinking about that and anyway I was so hungry um and they wanted me to eat there was really nothing that I could just eat that was you know a bit sugary and anyway so she ducked out to go to the store which was around the corner anyway halfway there she was called back come back come back Jordan's giving birth so she ran back and here I was, um, I was like really ready. I was crowning. Um, the midwife said, okay, you need to hop on your back because there's a shoulder. Um, so my son's shoulder was kind of, um, was, yeah, kind of there intruding, um, prohibiting kind of my son's head to come down. And I was just spent and they knew that. So I guess the goal at that point was to get my son out as, you know, as fast but as smoothly as possible. So photographer came back. I was on my back pushing um, and um, they were really easing my kind of easing um, my son's head to kind of position itself so they weren't intrusive they were just kind of easing um, moving about you know helping me kind of try some different positions on my back on my side you know all of these things anyway so my son crowned and he was I think his head was actually out on my back you know halfway out I was on my back and they switched me over onto my um hands and knees and um and that's really when the photographer came back in and um she was able to just get in there and snap <laughs> some shots while while I was pushing uh for my son my son to come out so I was on my hands and knees and the midwife said to my husband jump in you can catch him and um yes my my husband jumped down and and just held his hands out and and my son just yeah birthed into his hands so that was really yeah it was really beautiful but it was also really intense so I didn't have that you know probably baby but at that point I did need that guidance um I kind of did need the midwife to say to take a bit of control it's okay let's try this position to kind of mention what was happening and then um and then it ended up being that his hand came up next to his head so he was actually birthed with his hand next to his head okay. um coming out and his little fingernails Which is quite common yeah it is and and the more that I understand even about shoulder dystocia the more I, I could be more proactive in future births I mm -hmm. understand more about that I think it was that mixture of having been contracting for 24 hours, being exhausted. I had my four-year-old there. We didn't really have any other family. Um, I just know in hindsight we have more of that support for my son. So my husband was between my son and and the dog. Um, you know, so it was all it was all quite chaotic in those last few moments, but like a beautiful chaotic because. Mm you know I just knew that they were there to support me so he was born into my husband's um hands and then I kind of um 
hopped back onto my uh, just to sit down and um, I was holding my son for a little bit and then I just said I have to sleep (laughs) so like second birth again I just said I have to sleep (laughs) and anyway so my husband took um my son and I just fell asleep for about half an hour my husband was doing um skin to skin that whole time and um our little boy was just lying there um just so content um and um yeah anyway when I woke up they decided okay well you know it's been a couple of hours let's um let's cut the cord and I was okay with that I I had thought we would do a lotus birth and then I I really kind of knew that realistically it just wasn't going to be viable for us. My son was, um, you know, at preschool at that point or starting school. I was busy. Um, we had a warehouse and it was me and um, I had another lady there um, just, you know, casually. So I knew I had to actually get back to work. Mm-hmm. So as much as I would have loved a lotus birth, we decided to cut the, co- the cord and um, and it was white at that. It was, you know, it was done really. Yeah. And um yeah, and then the midwife took my son off into the into the room and put his first little cloth nappy on and um, popped him in bed and took me into the shower. I had a shower. I jumped into bed. Um, and then it was just we woke up with this little baby and my son came in from the other room because we'd been talking about him for so many months. He just knew who he was. He came in, laid next to him and um and my recovery was really quite good. I was I was actually back at work two days later. That's how good it was. So you know, obviously next baby I'm gonna take a bit more time. But um you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. yeah. So the next day I actually got up and cleaned my house from like I did a huge deep clean. Oh, wow. I um I, I cleaned everything. I, I mopped up, I you know, I scrubbed, I cooked. I was I was back and I was into it. Mm. Um, yeah, I just felt so energized and I now had two kids. Um, I just knew that, like, I just didn't feel like I needed to stop. I just yeah. kind of had my baby in a carrier from the get-go. Yeah, I was, I was energized. Yeah. Um, so I did actually have a little bit of a tear because my son had his hand up near his head when he came out. He actually tore me with his fingernail, um, <laughs> funnily enough. So I actually had a bit of that, um, a little bit of a tearing. And it was a couple of days and I said to the midwife, look, I'm, I'm still feeling a bit traumatised from the tearing and, and that process. I actually don't want anyone to touch me. I just, I just want this to recover naturally. And I gave it a few days, but I just felt so uncomfortable. I, I actually felt like there was... I just, I couldn't look, but I just felt that there was something not um, healing. So anyway, she came back and they stitched me up in my room, gave me two stitches um, in my room. So it was just so peaceful. They were both there. I had one holding my hand and then the other one um, doing that and I could just stay home and it was just such a different experience. But I came to that conclusion myself and I think that was more empowering than my first birth. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So any tips around healing during your postpartum? Oh, well, as you can tell, I got straight back into it. So probably tip number one would be um, rest. Just rest. Um, Have your friends or family come and look after any of your older children, take them out, put some meals in your fridge, do a bit of a clean. Um, I think, yeah, just rest and sleep. But um, I guess another one would be making sure you get a lot of good nutrition, nutrition. I'd made some beautiful, yeah, postpartum foods, but I didn't really have any snacky things. Um, so I think just those basic needs of rest and good nutrition. Yeah, perfect. 
do you think you guys will go back for another baby? Oh, I would love to. Yeah, we um, yeah, we'd love to. We've we've decided that we would. Um, and then you know the other part of me is I would maybe more babies isn't on the cards, and maybe fostering or something oh, like yeah. that is Beautiful. is for us. So I've got that vision, but. Um, you know, we're just seeing what happens. So we're mm-hmm. consciously open for it. We are consciously kind of trying but not forcing it. Um, yeah, lovely. Yeah. Is there anything you would do differently third time around if you did conceive a child? Yeah, I mean, I have these visions of just being probably more on my own. Mm-hmm. So maybe really only calling the midwives at the very end, if anything, almost starting to actually birth and maybe calling them like I think I would really love to yeah probably hold that space a little bit more Um, we were in a really small cottage and there was about five of five adults um uh, you know a dog barking myself you know it was all happening (laughs) so I probably hold that space a little bit more and um yeah, just embrace it. I mean, if I am only going to be pregnant once more or who knows how many times more, I just overall just embrace that whole period because I've never felt better than I did being pregnant. Despite being as busy as I was, I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. so what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? Yeah, I think that... Um, I mean, there's pros and cons about hearing other birth stories before you give birth, but I was really pro birth stories. Um, My son and I would YouTube birth videos every night and natural birth videos. You know, I just was so entrenched in seeing women actually give birth because up until you're ready to give birth, it's not that it's not something you get taught in school. You don't actually a vaginal delivery um you don't actually understand the full you know um intensity of it Mm. and the it's just something that you don't really get taught so I think education um understand your options and I mean a home birth isn't for everyone um and so there's other options in the system that potentially will be more nurturing. So um, there's there are pros and cons to going in naively. Um, I definitely went in a bit more unprepared, but I also kind of was then able to, I knew a little bit, I knew enough as to what I didn't want, but I also didn't know everything. So that let's say the vacuum was coming out with my first son and I didn't actually go into a huge fear process because I would have understood that. Yeah. So I guess that... There's pros and cons to both, but yeah, that that education and really understanding what real birth looks like um, is really important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, it's been such a pleasure listening to you today, Jordan. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was so lovely to share that. That brings us to the end of today's show. Jordan is such an inspiration to me. I always love hearing stories where women are succeeding, doing something they're passionate about. And the fact that it helps the earth as well, I mean, how amazing is that? Jordan has so generously given all of you, my beautiful listeners, a 20% discount off her cloth nappies, reusable breast pads, maternity pads, and cloth wipes. I am genuinely so excited by this. I will link all of the details in the show notes for you guys. I also wanted to quickly add something we didn't touch on in the recording, but spoke about afterwards. Jordan's second son was what society would classify as a big baby, weighing in at a delicious 4.3 kg. 
energy. As we know, the big baby label and fear of shoulder dystocia that comes with that label can lead to all kinds of interventions if allowed. So I think Jordan's story is that much more inspiring because it shows that yes, she did require a little more management from her midwife to get Bub out, but it was absolutely not an emergency. And when it became clear she needed some assistance, a calm but efficient approach meant her labor wasn't interrupted. There was no fear injected into her space and they were able to do what was needed to safely and gently assist her son out. I'm going to link a really informative and helpful article written by Dr. Rachel Reed in the show notes for any mummers that might need some reassurance on this topic. Another beautiful journey for you to draw inspiration from. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let me know what you think over on the PVA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode 